Welcome to Porsche Pattern with Bracken Helms, the show where we hear Bracken and his distinguished guests from the Porsche community patter on about Porsches and all things automotive. Porsche Patter is sponsored by Circuit 64. Circuit 64 creates authentic automotive apparel made for like-minded automotive enthusiasts. The links for Circuit 64 are in the show notes. Okay, let's get to it. Rod Emery, part two. Okay, after listening back to this one, I noticed when I asked him, what car do you wish you could have? He says the GT4. Well, you know from listening to part one that this was done five years ago and he bought his wife a GT4, so I guess he kind of got what he was after. Also listening back, I noticed, oh, here's one more person that picked the 915 over the G50. It seems like I got more people that I think the only person that I've ever seriously talked to that said the G50 was Michael Wilhoyt. Of course, he's all about the money, so there's a reason for that. I'm not saying sometimes people pick neither, but this thought all of a sudden that the G50 is this holy grail, like like just angel in the sky, and that the 915 is just nothing to call home about. It's just crazy to me. He said he'd love to drive an RS60 or an RS61. Again, this was done five years ago, so maybe he, I wonder if he's had his chance to do that yet. And another thing I kind of made me think was, he started talking about electric. I remember when he was talking and I was thinking, yeah, electric cars are coming, but he was acting like it was sooner than I thought it was. And now looking back, like obviously he knew more than I did. Another thing is when he said unmolested cars. So at the time I just thought, okay, maybe he means just one that some idiot got hold of and like ran speaker wires all the way through and like messed things up by putting the wrong parts on. But I think there's more to it now. Because now I hear a lot of people that are like, once you take, once you mess with the car too much, you take its soul. So I think it's a little bit more. Little Jack sounds like the perfect name for a pet, like a donkey. Like it just rolls off your tongue. Little Jack for a donkey. I remember when he said that, just being like, that is like the perfect name for a donkey. It's like naming like a, a, a guinea pig Scooter. Like, that's a perfect name for a guinea pig. Scooter. Just like kind of corny and I don't know. Anyway, here's um, Rod Emery, part two. So when I was doing the interview with Pete Stout, he brought up this story. It was like a really important story to him. And he was talking about Chuck Fords. Yep. And he's talking about this car like it was just on a beat up old trailer. It's such a significant car. And he took me around it. And... When did they find out that, that Chuck Ford's car was that? I mean, I've seen your videos and stuff, but they didn't know. When, when Chuck owned it, they didn't know, right? Yeah, so there was no um, concrete evidence uh, as to which car was the Lamont entry Lamont winning car, as well as what car was the number 47 car that crashed. So um, all the history was, was kind of unknown. Uh, if you read the book, The Last Eleven, it's inconclusive as to which cars, uh, you know, which car won Le Mans, which car uh, did the 1500 uh, uh speed trials, which ones went to Liège on Liège. So when Chuck Forge passed away, um, there was, you know, the car came up for sale and Cameron Healy and I had a hunch, uh, along with our friend Dirk Lair, that that it was for sure one of the three cars. We knew that. But... There were some physical characteristics that led us to believe that there was a very good chance it was 
the car. So it wasn't until the car was actually in our possession that I could do the due diligence and the research and determine the definitive answer that for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is the Le Mans winning car. So it was about 2010, about a year after we got the car, that I had enough concrete evidence that I was able to then um, um, make the decision that it was the car, which then led us down the path of saying, okay, then let's restore the car back to how it was originally. Because you don't want to erase the Chuck Forge history without knowing for sure, because you're not erasing the history, but you don't want to undo the, the, the Roadster uh, unless you know for sure that it is the Le Mans winning car. Once we determined that, then we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt it had to be uh, put back. So what was your most significant build or project? Well, I think opinion. from a historic standpoint, clearly the 356SL will probably be my all-time uh, most historic and most significant build from the standpoint of authenticity research. Uh, my number 80 53 coupe is, is really the beginning of everything that I've done. Um, you know, that's where my love for these cars really got deeply embedded into my soul. And then the, in 1998, the Emory special for me was the first time that I got pure creative freedom, um, to just do exactly what I wanted to do to a car. And in my opinion, just kind of set the, you know, the bar or a standard for, you know, customized 356s uh, and to evolve the, the 356, you know, body style and performance. Um, so really those are the three cars that I think. Um, this one came before the. Or the correct. So the, the, the 1953 coupe was um, started the restoration in 1988, finished it in 1990. The Emory special started the restoration in 1997 and finished it in 1998. And then the 356SL was about 2010 to 2016 with all the research and development. Uh, pretty proud of the uh, all-wheel drive 356 because that's another step, uh, another level of car that, uh, that you know, really kind of steers us into the future with using more modern drive training components. How honored or excited were you about the Le Mans car? Oftentimes I pinch myself, you know, that I even had an opportunity to you know, restore what I feel is one of the most significant Porsches in history. And, and uh, um, you know, it, it, it just truly is something that will uh, forever, you know, be in my heart. You know, it was a, a historic project, but also it was um, a project where I had to really push myself um, from, uh, you know, a research standpoint as well as technical standpoint and skills. Because a lot of the things that I had to do on it were, were not the normal um, you know, restoration, you know, techniques. Um, what cool cars have you owned? Yeah. Porsches. Um, um, besides Porsches, I've only just had a few Fords in my life. Probably one of the coolest cars we've owned. that's not a Porsche would be a 2006 VW Touareg V10 diesel. That was our, uh, that was our, our, our go-to family wagon for, a lot of years. Um, that was the most amazing vehicle we probably ever owned as a family. You know, my 996 twin turbo that I just beat the living snot out of every day uh, is a, you know, kind of best bang for your buck, 911. I've had every range of Porsches, everything from 924s, 914s, 
you know. What's uh, your favorite one you've owned? Besides my 356s? No, you can count those if they're yours, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, my Emory Special is, is going to always be uh, my favorite, possess- you know, yeah. automotive possession. Okay. Any you regret selling? Yeah, uh, the car that I regret selling it was a 1969 uh, 911 that um, I got when Amy and I were first married. And it was the car that I drove Amy to the hospital to and from when Zane was born. I was brought home in a Porsche too. Yeah, yeah. So that that's one. That's the that's the one car that I regret selling. Um, you know, the only other um, um, car that I wish I still had, but it's not a regret, was the number eighty car. I donated it to a charity in two thousand nine, but it went on to raise one hundred eighty thousand dollars for the Limbs for Life Foundation, providing prosthetic limbs to people that can't afford them. If you could have any car, what would it be? If I could have uh, any car in the world, what would it be that I don't already have? If there was another car out there that I could have, vintage or um, yeah, stump me. Okay, it's tough. It's a tough question. I pretty much, you know, I'm very fortunate. I have all the cars that I would want. Um, okay, we can uh, move let's see. That. I wouldn't mind a, a GT4 Cayman. My brother has one. Does he? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, um, but it, it's not really necessary in my life. I've got a GT3 RS. Right. Um, let's see. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't mind having a 964 RS America. Yeah. Just a nice uh, kind of beat around. My dad, my dad sold two of those about the time I was like in school, and I remember he checked me out. It was one that was red, and one was white. And I remember like always wanting one. About the time I had the money, they weren't that expensive at the time. I'm mean, yeah. twenty to twenty five when I when I was in the market for one. And yeah, then I started hearing this like, well, it's not like a real RS and this and that. And I started like, okay, maybe I don't, you know, it's just the American version. I kind of talked myself out of it, but. It's still more special than the normal 964. Right, yeah. I mean, if, if, if I could get rid of my, if, if I got rid of my 996 and was looking for another car to have as my kind of everyday, you know, hit the hills, drive, have fun, that would probably be the go-to car, would be a RS America. I wouldn't really want to write, you know, a European 964 RS because they're just too valuable and, you know, but an RS America is kind of a nice balance between a standard 964 and an RS. It's kind of, you know... How do you feel about the air-cooled versus water-cooled device? I think they've all got their place in, in the Porsche family. Um, obviously, Porsche went to water-cooled for emissions and to be able to build, you know, horsepower in different ways and, and you know, kind of modernize the, the package. Um, but, you know, they gifted us with 50 years or 45 years of, of amazing air-cooled cars that we're enjoying today. And uh, now they're giving us uh, another amazing legacy of of cars that are just as fun in their own way okay pdk or manual uh i think it depends on the car uh brand new cars pdk all the way um you know there's a reason why porsche developed that transmission uh for one you know it, it it's it's a better transmission stronger more you know you know quicker shifting than than we can do on our own but for me, you know, people always say, oh, Rob, you know, don't you wish your GT3 RS was uh, a manual gearbox? 
And my standard answer is no, I love it with PDK. I've got plenty of air-cooled cars with a manual transmission. I can bang gears all that I want. My 996 Twin Turbo, I can bang gears all that I want. The GT3 RS is such an amazing car with that PDK that I can either put it in PDK or, you know, put it in, in uh, sport mode and just, you know, let the transmission do its thing and, and uh, shift, or I can paddle shift it when I'm up in the hills, but it kind of gives you a completely different driving experience. Okay. So PDK for uh, uh, modern cars, manual gearbox for all my vintage stuff. So favorite air cooled is probably going to be a 356. Oh, without a doubt. Favorite water cooled. Favorite water-cooled car? Um, I, I think best bang for your buck in all the water-cooled stuff is a 2002 to 4 996 twin turbo. You know, I mean, obviously, I love my GT3 RS just as much, just in a different way. Okay, what do you like of what do you like about air-cooled, and what do you admire about water-cooled? Uh, what I love about air-cooled cars is the sound. You know, just the just the engine. You know, the mechanical. Um, you know, beauty of, of all of the air-cooled stuff. Everything from the 356 up to the 908, the cars just have a very unique, you know, sound. The water-cooled cars, um, I think just the precision of the machine, you know, the, the, the new Cayman, or the new, like, 718, you know, four-cylinder is, is an amazing little piece of equipment, all the way up to the, you know, GT3, GT2 RSs, or, you know, just cars that, that you can pretty much beat on as hard as you want, they won't fail you. Okay, what um, what 356 model is your favorite? Three A's. Uh, they always have been. You know, uh, I, I think the character and, and uh, look and just simplicity of the pre A cars is uh, is always going to have my heart. S are you an SC or Carrera three point two guy? You know. To be honest, you know, I really haven't had a whole lot of, uh, you know, 80s 911s. Um, I did have an 87 Turbo, but I've never had an SC or a Ferrari. Um, you know, I've always wanted one, just haven't ever had one that, you know, kind of jumped at me. Okay, the next question we can skip. It's 915 or G50. I think it's going to depend on the application, but I think the 915 is you know, is more of a, an earlier, you know, mechanical transmission. And I think, uh, uh, you know, from a simplicity standpoint, it, you know, and, and size and weight, if I had to choose which gearbox to put in a, in a through six or an early 911, uh, definitely go 915. 964 or 993? Uh, personally, 964. I just, you know, I like the more traditional, you know, look. I also like the rear suspension design on a 964 over the 993. Favorite RS car? Uh, GT3 RS, new car. Um, okay. It's a um, monster. Yeah, thoughts on Porsche today and all their models and how much bigger they are than- I, I, I Go back for a second. My favorite vintage RS car would be an RS60. Have you ever driven one? I've never driven one, no. I have a huge desire to, but yeah. RS60, RS61, just- you know, the, the later, uh, you know, spider cars were just, yeah, amazing. So. Okay. How do you feel about Porsche today? And I mean, it's not the little niche company it was, and some people have a problem with that. You know, I think that Porsche has done an amazing job the last five to 10 years to embrace the heritage of the company and to start including and incorporating, 
you know, the air-cooled stuff into their marketing and their big picture. Uh, with the development of and, and the introduction of Porsche Classic, I think that, that Porsche is definitely on the right track. Um, you know, I think definitely newer cars, um, you know, are a little bit less analog and uh, start to do a lot more stuff for you. But, you know, a Porsche is always going to be a Porsche. Uh, you know, they're always still going to be simple in nature, you know, nothing that, you know, is unnecessary really on them. Um, but uh, I'm kind of biased. I don't think there's ever a Porsche that Porsche could build or introduce that I would despise. I just, I, I love all of them. Do you think we'll ever have like something where, where we have a smaller car, but they're able to put all of their money into it and time rather than just kind of worry about what well, we can't? I don't know. I mean, that's for Porsche to, to decide. I think they definitely have the, the capability of doing it. I think that. Uh, the challenge that we're going to run into these days is that everything is going away from, you know, combustion engines and going electric. So the majority of all the advancements, I think, are going to be more on the hybrid or electric technology. Um, I, I, of course, I have this fantasy and dream that someday they're going to reintroduce, you know, some small little, you know, coupe. But I don't know if they'll ever go any uh, closer to that than what they do with the Cayman or, you know. Right. Um, what would you say the perfect starter Porsche is today? Now um, the prices have kind of changed. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, and I've never owned one, but if I was uh, new to the to the uh, uh, to this world and I was looking for a sub $50,000 car, you know, I would definitely be looking at the 80s uh, SC or 3.2 Carrera cars just because they're, you know, they're cars that have a little bit more, you know, amenities, They'll go three, four hundred thousand miles, and you can still find some out there that are that are unmolested or in decent shape. Um, if you're looking more, you know, budget-minded, it's getting harder and harder to find anything um, that is under fifty thousand bucks that's really, you know, kind of worth buying that doesn't need a ton of work. Nine fourteens are fun little cars. You either love them or hate them. Um, you know, they're fun cars if you can find one that you know has a good engine and isn't rusty. Um, and the values are starting to go up a little bit there, but um, you know, if if all you had was twenty thousand bucks, I'd be probably looking at a nine fourteen. Um, if you if you got fifty, then I'd be looking at a um, you know an eighties. Fastest you've ever driven? Where at? What car? Why? <laughs> um, yeah, probably that I can talk about uh, Daytona two thousand five uh, Rolex twenty four in a GT3 cup car, flat out in the banking at 176 miles an hour. Okay. Advice for someone that wants to modify their car? Tires and uh, suspension. Favorite driving route? Right now, uh, you know, that changes depending on where I live and kind of, but Little and Big Tahunga are probably my favorite, uh, you know, roads at the moment. What's your favorite track or race? The track that I've probably spent the most time of my life at would be Pacific Raceways in Seattle. Uh, you know, and it's it's a wonderful track with so much elevation and, and uh, you know complexity to the to the track. Um, so I would say that's number one for me. Okay, favorite auto publication. Uh, currently, my favorite auto publication is Triple Zero. It's okay. uh, it's without a doubt the the highest quality, uh, best information and best photography out of any publication on the market right now. Right. So which of your toy cars is your favorite? 
Which of my toy cars is my favorite? Every one of them has uh, you know, a story behind them. I really like my collection of 917s. I don't think I'm ever gonna have an opportunity to own a 917, but if you look in front of us, you can see that um, you know, the 1971 overall Lamar winner in this case was a gift to me from my good friends at Porsche in Las Vegas. This is a special one. Uh, that number 21 long tail uh, Martini 917 over there was a gift from my wife to me. Then my latest gift that I got was uh, this number 23 car in a uh, Scalectrix uh, 132 scale over there that was a gift to me from Jack at Scientific Porsche. You know, so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I think my 917 collection. Okay, what is your most prized possession? Besides your family, I knew enough to add that into my questions. Yeah, definitely my family is absolutely number one uh, on my list. And uh, I think my most prized possession or possessions are the tools in the workshop. You know, the tools in the workshop give us the ability to make all of this happen. I kind of knew you were going to say that too. <laughs> well, just from seeing like, your posts about, oh, well, this came from this guy and this was in his Yeah, job. I mean, you know, the, the newest one that I just got was one that my grandfather used back in the 40s and 50s, which is a pretty special tool. Song you want to play while driving? Um, Ozzy Osbourne, Crazy Train. Perfect. Best drive you've ever had? Uh, Amy and baby Zane and I taking a 4,500-mile trip in the Emory Special towing a little Arriba poop trailer. What gets you excited? Coming to work in the morning, uh, knowing that we have amazing projects to build and, uh, you know, turning those lights on in the shop before anybody gets here. What do you like about your job? Uh, that I get to be creative and surround myself with equally passionate craftsmen uh, that, uh, that want to, um, you know, build cool cars. Do you have any mentors? I do. Um, Kevin Jeanette, Gunner Racing, Kerry Morris, uh, my father, Mike Gent from Gent Restorations, Wayne Henson from Henson Racing. I mean, the list goes on and on. If you could interview or talk to anybody, who would it be? It used to be Dan Gurney, but I had an opportunity to uh, sit with him for two hours at the uh, gala at Peterson a few months before he passed away. I think the, the next person that I would love to interview or spend a day with would be uh, Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker and, and uh, um, kind of time management uh, uh, life mastery guy. Bob Gerritsen also said Dan Gurney. Did he? Yeah. One, if you could have one wish, what would it be? Uh, to be able to live without sleep. <laughs> If you could be a fly on the wall. What's wrong with that? <laughs> it's the truth. Well, I, I know. As soon yeah. as you say it, I'm perfect. Yeah. <laughs> if you could be a fly on the wall, where would you go? 1948, the Austria, in the little wood uh, barn. Sawmill? Yeah. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Lack of sleep? Lack of sleep. Um, to change stoplights to green. If you could have a redo in life, what would it be? A redo? I don't have any regrets. 
Any apprehensions or fears? I have a fear of getting tickets because I don't want to lose my driving privilege. What is something most people don't know about you or would surprise people? That even though I don't speak Spanish, sometimes driving in my car, I play Shakira. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the truth, though. But, um, you know, let's see. What is, uh, what is uh, uh, something that would surprise people? That I had a donkey growing up from age five until 35. And I used to, uh, well, when my sisters had horses in Tribuco Canyon, I had a donkey named Little Jack. Uh, what question would you ask yourself? Do you ever plan to retire? No. <laughs> I plan to build cars for as long as I am physically capable. Any other crazy or exciting stories which you want to share? I think one of my favorite things uh, operating a business today is uh, the use of social media and the ability to be able to share what it is that we're doing with people um, real time and to inspire the next generation of Porsche enthusiasts and craftsmen to hopefully fall in love with these cars the way that I did as a young kid because I was fortunate in that I was embedded in that environment um, socially and actively as a kid. And unfortunately, not everybody has that opportunity. So social media gives us the outlet to be able to share that so that hopefully, you know, 20, 30 years from now, there are people that have picked up on all that and followed the stuff so that they appreciate the cars going into the future. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, comment, like, and share with your friends. Feel free to send questions or suggestions to the email in the description of the show. Special thanks to our sponsor, Circuit 64. Goodbye for now. We hope we can get together again for our next episode. Now get out there and enjoy the cars and the people.